my Adderall is starting to wear off. But you know what isn't? The stimulant of finally accepting who I am. Hello and welcome to Yes Androgyny. <laughs> Um, already, already off. This is, I mean, this is, this is the best episode yet. I think so. I think we can call it here. I think, I think we can call it now. I think we Thank can you be all like so much for tuning in to Yes Androgyny today. I've been your <laughs> unnamed host. Okay, okay, okay. Quick, quick, quick. End it, end it now. It's still perfect. No, now that you it said, can... now that you've said that, it has to keep going because otherwise that's, that's a, that's, that looks lame. It looks sad. No, 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 Because that's funny. That's funny. You calling me out right now about it looking desperate is, is hilarious. That's a perfect note to end on. Just don't ruin it. Don't do something really weird that ruins this episode. <laughs> Damn it, I ruined it. <laughs> Welcome to Yes Androgyny. We are your two humble hosts. We're we are your we are your hosts. One of us is humble and one of us can only lie. <laughs> and it is up to you. The sky is green. Oh shoot, I made it obvious. <laughs> no, that's just that's actually you being humble about the fact that like you actually know what color the sky is. I don't know everything. Uh, but you're trying to be humble. I didn't <laughs> you don't know everything. That's what Kendrick Lamar was talking about. God, I've been wondering for so long what the fuck that guy's been talking about. <laughs> so this is the podcast where some non-binary slash trans improvisers sit down together. Drink some tea and discuss uh, self-expression and identity, and then uh, also do some improv. My name is Charlie. I go by they, she pronouns. And I am Ari, and I go by he, they pronouns. Yes. And that's, that's the spiel. It's what you've come to know and love and expect from us, you know? It's a little bit of a stability and comfort in your increasingly terrifying chaotic lives, I assume. I, you know, I'm assuming based, based on the state of the world, I imagine, you know, not everybody is doing the same amount of, as bad as one another, but I do think everybody's lives are probably messy. Everybody who's listening to this, they're probably worse. Yeah, if your life is, like, so great right now, there's no way you're listening to this. There is a correlation, not causation, but a correlation between listening to this podcast (laughs) and having an increasingly worse life. Yes. Speaking of, like, continuity between episodes, I thought I would give a nice little announcement that the other day I called Charlie and I got a voicemail message and I realized that Charlie finally changed her voicemail message. Oh, you noticed. I was like, oh, my God. And I showed my friend, like, listen, listen to the new voicemail. It sounds so much better. This is great. And uh-huh. <laughs> I mentioned this specifically for another reason, too, which is that one of the main kind of points of this show has been a live documentation of the changes and growth and expression of the two of us. And... We had our first major, like, skipped episode where we just kind of we skipped an episode because we just didn't think it worked. Yes. It happened to be an episode where there was growth during it. And I thought that was interesting. And I thought we'd talk about, like, how our private lives and what we're dealing with are impactful of the show and vice versa. Listen, I, it's long overdue. You and I, we need to talk about the podcast. The podcast. The elephant in the room. I mean, if the room is really large. An elephant is insignificant. I mean, that's life, baby. That's that's. Don't the don't look at the elephant. Make your room bigger so you can ignore the elephant. Right. The elephant in the room doesn't matter if you zoom out and think about the elephant in the galaxy. The elephant in my aircraft carrier. That elephant is completely meaningless. Make your problems bigger so your small problems become insignificant. Hey, it worked for Nietzsche, I assume. I don't know. Never read it. Look what happened to him. <laughs> dead now um, I, I hear dead now i hear <laughs> i don't know but correlation does not dead. equal causation but the man was sad and then the man was gone actually that describes my transition journey the man was sad then the man was gone <laughs> but wow and a sad and a sad woman took his place i will say it's like, that it's like ba- it's like for sale baby shoes never worn but the reason was your baby was born with extremely large feet and now they're like a powerful big-footed person i don't know what that's doing anything but a statement can <laughs> a be powerful re- the happiest story ever told. Baby shoes for sale, never worn. Big, powerful feet. Big, powerful um, feet. Yeah, so what you're referring to for people who are not understanding what we're talking about by the continuity break, what is now episode three 
of the show was originally episode four, and there was an episode in between those two. The last episode. In which probably the largest event that has happened in our queer journeys so far since starting this podcast had just happened, and we were able to talk about that a little bit, which is that I had changed my pronouns. From they, them, to them, she. Yeah. They, she. Why did I say them, she? <laughs> them, she. Um, what are these words? I don't know how to use them. It's so confusing. <laughs> it's so complicated. Well, what are we doing to our language? Them are going to the store. How do I do it? Beep, beep, boop, boop, bop, bop. Does that make sense? I guess words don't matter. So, you know, you should just know what I mean by that. Beep, them going to the store. All language deconstruction eventually leads to bad scatting. <laughs> <laughs> um just like so, all just like all bean eating. Oh. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> focusing in, focusing in. <laughs> yeah, we 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 had an episode where your pronouns changed and it would have been like a pretty we'll probably upload that clip somewhere cuz it's still pretty significant, but yeah. It was skipped and we're talking we're going to talk about why and what it says in a larger picture, I guess, about recording podcasts and being who we are as people. Yeah. So let's start with this. I hate this podcast. Oh. I hate it. I hate listening to it. I hate editing it. I cringe every time I think about it. I'm terrified of showing it to anybody. Wow. And, that was quick. You know, and, and I would say that this show so far reflects my insecurities in myriad different ways. So like, you know, there is an entire disclaimer at the beginning of the podcast feed that I try to direct people to so they don't have high expectations for the show. I have re recorded and re-recorded the intro for every episode that has been released so far multiple times. Oh, as a, as a mastering, as a mixing mastering person, I've no, I've noticed it's like been 800 openings. Yeah, I know. I constantly said already new openings. Like, okay, replace <laughs> this, take this part out. It's, 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 <laughs> you know, uh, you know, trying to make sure that I like cover all of our bases. And then, yeah, I made the call to skip uh, episode three because I couldn't quite stand by everything in it. And particularly, I was worried that, I was worried about a negative response to it from the queer community. So back in episode three on the feed, for those who want to listen to it, we talked about, you know, creativity. And Charlie asked me, how do you put so many things out? And the answer is that I do not have you. I have a lot of fear before starting something. But once I make something, I really go into like excited mode where I'm like, I want everyone to hear it. And I, as a result, I put out a lot of things. And I noticed yes. that we've recorded multiple podcasts in the past, and there seems to be this pattern of, yeah. hey, I got an idea. This is our new podcast. That first episode went really well. Oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever made. Wow, this is like this. I really stand by this. Okay, so there was a couple problems in the last one. Let's just cut this one out. Actually, let's just not do this podcast. It's not going to work. And we're like one step before that, and I can see the pattern happening. So I think it's good to talk about because I bet you a lot of queer creators listening to this episode would be like, yeah. I feel that. All you have to do to relate to this is live in the Bo Burnham apocalypse. <laughs> you know, Bo Burnham was the, was the prophet and, you know, basically was like, it is bad to receive immediate direct feedback all the fucking goddamn time. And uh, for me, I am constantly anticipating the potential for negative feedback. And especially, boy, oh boy, being... <laughs> a recently cracked egg who is trying to do a podcast about trans issues where uh, there's still a lot I don't know about trans issues and I'm learning, which is the whole point of the show. The whole, to be clear, the whole point of the show is that we don't know what we're doing and we're like stumbling and figuring out, but I am anticipating, like I knew there there's going to be transphobes if they ever find this podcast who are going to- a, You don't a care what the transphobes saying speak well, that much because of course they're going to- I don't you. give a you, shit about them. I don't you give a want, shit about- You're worried about hurting someone who genuinely cares and who we say something wrong. Yeah, I'm worried. I'm worried that 
there's going to be a rejection of this show amongst trans people who are going to be like, this doesn't match my experience at all. Or like, I hate the way you talked about this or whatever. And I don't know. Let me ask you, let me ask you, let me ask you. So you in high school, you still had, you still had a tiny little brain made of, made of (laughs) flubber that, that hadn't been molded into anything resembling a, a human mind. And you experienced a niche but extremely significant bout of internet success that came along with the YouTube channel that you started. Yeah. And I wondered if you could, like, maybe, okay, briefly, just very briefly, for people who don't know, kind of explain what that was and what happened. And then let's talk for a second about, like, how you responded to suddenly having this, like, feedback for your work. Yeah. Back in high school. I had had a weird amount of adults in my life in like classes and people who were supposed to be the teachers of these arts who would be disdainful towards me. Yeah, so specifically like music teachers, right? I mean, a good example is like in all four years of high school, never once was given an opportunity to do a solo in any of my choir activities, Mm. which sounds like a small petulant thing. But, like, I would know the song back to front and have practiced it for days. And inst- and because the song was Mumford & Sons, they gave the song to a uh, a person who, wonderful person, great singer, didn't know the lyrics to the song. And they only gave it to them because they happened to play the banjo. And it was, like, little micro things that I don't know why they happened. That's, actually, I even had some- that's been my strategy um, through a lot of life is I learned the banjo and doors have just opened up for me left and right. So for a lot of my high school experience, I was really put down to the point where it was a critical mass in senior year where I just didn't care anymore and I became very depressed Mm -hmm. and I was desperate to make a new face for myself. I wanted to be in a place where no one knew who I was, where I could do whatever I wanted to do with my creativity and not feel like people who knew me had preconceived notions. Right. So I started writing music for the first time at 18 and this is one of those things that at the time no one knew about, but now like everyone on the internet knows about, which was like the big brony fandom that exploded in 2011 and lasted through like, you know, basically a couple of years right. ago. And brony, kind of brony being specifically the fans of the My Little Pony show that came out in 2010. You wrote this, this the, you wrote a song that was a sort of. I mean, I mean, the first song, right, was Universe, which was... Oh, no, that was, that was, like, that was like, fifth song. But, but that, that was, was, the, that was like, the first one that went super viral, right? Yeah, that was the first one. That and there was two songs, Still Shy and Universe, were the two songs that I made that hit big. I can actually tell you a story you don't know specifically but answering your question you have, which is there, after I released my first song called I Remember, which I look back on it fondly, even though it's obviously the work of a new songwriter, I did put out a second song that was a cover of a song from the show, and I did it pretty quickly. And the response was a lot of dislikes of people saying the vocals don't sound very good on this one. And they were probably right. I rushed it a lot because I wanted to put it out like in a timely manner. But having that explosion of negative response after the first one had a very positive response, I immediately hid the video and was like, okay, how do I not have that happen again? But here's, and, and I was here, like, I, here it is. Sorry. Just like, we need to like freeze frame like right here. <laughs> you, that's where you would be at. And you're wondering how I got there's past a, that. There's a split in the road where you can either say, okay, that first thing was a fluke, but obviously I suck and I'll never be a good enough singer for this and delete your YouTube channel and never return again to the world of brony music. Or you can just make a new fucking song. And I just am fascinated by, especially you are a kid who has been bullied, who has been told that everybody, (laughs) no one appreciates you. You're not as good a singer as you think you are or whatever. Like every, or like, at least that's the implication of not giving you any fucking like chances. You know, you're, you're, you're a worse singer than a kid is a mediocre banjo player. And, Hey, oh no! His banjo player was incredible. His banjo playing was incredible. No, wrong. I don't this give a kid shit. Was a banjo king. <laughs> was that, okay, I didn't realize you were conf- confronting the banjo king. Um, my apologies. No, he was. A, he was the banjo. He king. was. No, listen. He was the banjo king. Okay, listen. It's a very important to understand this story. <laughs> He was the banjo the king. I'm just imagining you being like, "Oh well, no wonder you were confident <laughs> yeah. in yourself." I didn't know he was a banjo king. So, it's over. So what is it that what, what did came? he do? What? Why? Why did you keep making it? Help me. I'm not going to pretend that what I did was entirely the best way to handle it, which is when I put out the second song, I rushed it really quickly out to try to get out as timely as possible after the first one. After that, I said, okay, 
I'm not going to care about the expectations of timing and growth. I'm just going to write a song. I'm going to take some time to really make it work. I'm going to be analytical and work on it, get some feedback, and then I'm going to put it out. And I promised myself that I'd put it out. And I did put it out, and it got did really well. And after that, I never had another song that had a response like that second one did. And I think the negative side of that was that I turned my channel from a content farm into a portfolio. No song could go on there unless it was, like, really freaking solid. Yeah. And that meant that I put out, like, 20 songs over 10 years. I never really grew in the way that maybe I could have because I was I became scared. So that oh, that's like super interesting too, right? So what you're discovering there is the way in which the Bo Burnham apocalypse, the the incentive yeah. set of the algorithm, you can choose to resist the incentives. But if you resist the incentives, you are punished for it. I mean, you I love your music. I un Thank I you. unironically like or not I would never be ironic, but you, but you know what I mean. I I, I like your music, but in like a but like in a kind of disgusted sense, like it's like looking at a car crash or a, or a roadkill. I mean, you're no banjo king, but I'm not banjo but, king. Um, by the way, that documentary really got me through the pandemic. <laughs> the way he treated those banjos really troubled me. Though. I don't think we should put this guy up on a pedestal. Honestly, I don't care how gay he is. Um. I would be a fan of your music if I had found it without any personal connection to you. I love your ballads. I play them on YouTube just as music sometimes. And I fully believe if you had been a super consistent uploader, I think you are someone who could have built a more sustainable full-time career doing it. And I think it's interesting that like, there was a compromise of like you made something you were proud of, but it it was really hard for you. When we were living together in Atlanta, you struggled to complete songs because you were so exhausted from having to work for a living. And this is a it is I mean it's, it's the three A's, you know, <laughs> the three A's: ADHD, algorithm, exhaustion. The three A's. Nice. So really, really, what it is, if you want to know. The actual reason that I was able to make art despite the years of doubt. Yes, I do. Was that I, I want to know. I want to know. Please I, tell me. I believe in other people. You believe in other people a lot, right? It's from a flaw. You believe in your friends. You believe in the people you know of. Right? Yeah, and it is a flaw. Well, you know what I mean? My friends, like, are, my friends are objectively bad and mediocre, but my belief in them constantly gets me in trouble. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, you know, I believe in people. I believe people, people disappoint me because I believe in everyone's goodness, and it's been hard sometimes to see people be not as kind as I think they are. Yeah. But I believe in people. So, what I would do is I would, all of my work, I collaborated with people I believed in because if they signed off on it, there's no way it could possibly be as bad as I make it out to because I know that they're good and they value this. And if I say it's bad, then I'm just saying that their judgment sucks. Mm. Here's here's the problem. Well, there's a couple of problems. Problem number one, in no particular order. Um, I feel like you're so disappointed that my answer was not the clean cut solution that you hoped it would be. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. I'm not disappointed. Um, I'm angry. <laughs> I'm angry. This podcast um, is over. Problem number one is just that, like, there is general perfectionism around art that I struggle with. You see it in the fact that I rarely complete long-term writing projects. But at the very least, a novel that goes through traditional publishing, you know and you theoretically <laughs> accept that it is going to go through, like, half a dozen drafts at least before you even query it. And that when you query and you get an agent, that's like a gatekeeper who validates it. And then the agent has to sell it to, you know, an editor and publishing house. And that that's gate, more gatekeepers. And by the time it comes out, you might hate it. And I, I know I, I'm friends with authors who are far enough along in the process who do hate their you work. You lose a lot for your work over time. You know? But... There are objective sort of, not objective, it's never objective, but there are structures in place that help uh, control for like some of that. And you get a little bit of time with it before people see it. The problem, so with internet content, with like, sure. uh, and, and like YouTube has it, TikTok is obviously the sort of the most distilled version of this. The because, end game version of this problem. <laughs> the final boss. Um, but podcasting is kind of right right in here too, where we could have continued 
to just record episodes ourselves and not release this show and waited until I was positive that every episode and everything was, was like good. And there was just like, we started recording in October. There was just a point where it was like, this has taken us so many months. We just need to start releasing. And I yeah. get that. That's a great, that's great. That's a great ethic to have. And every podcast I've ever loved has had a rough start it's funny because i love our episodes i just love them i just it's i think it's cool that we can talk about things for an hour <laughs> yeah no I do, <laughs> i'm a simple, I'm a simple person <laughs> but my problem now there's been no vetting process with this except for that the two of us had fun recording it and that you seem to still like the episodes that's the only thing i have to go on and maybe it is like maybe it is reflective of like maybe i do need to trust you more Maybe my conviction in my badness is greater than my trust in you. Maybe my conviction for my badness is a banjo. This is part of the problem. I admire you as an artist so much. I have zero. I basically assume that anything you're a part of is going to be like really good. And that brings me to problem the second. Thank you for that perfect, perfect layup. Yes. I taught, I pass you the ball so you can dunk it in our own goal. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, perfectly up. In the, oh well, we didn't. We lost. We're losing. You toss me the ball perfectly for me to take it and just start and smash it in my own face. Um, <laughs> Thank you for that perfect pass. <laughs> a perfect layup, um, and it's a bowling ball. I fully believe, on a, some like crazy, you know, and I'm trying to use the word crazy a little bit less. That's something else I've noticed in the podcast. I use crazy all the time. I, I, and I just too. know it's a, it's a, it's a, people those... are gonna listen to the show and. and comment on that it's a journey it, i think i think the fact that we're aware of it it's a journey and we work towards it you know but i'm also i am crazy what's our new word for crazy uh, right now what's i don't new? know there's a part of me that wants to reclaim crazy as a crazy person that's fair that you, you've dealt with mental anyway. illness in a way that people like you've been to like clinics to deal with stuff you officially are allowed <laughs> to use the word more than i am well, let me just say that on some limbic level, limbic level. i believe that my only real power as a person is that I'm able to trick people who are close to me that I am talented and that I am Isn't one of those the people definition that, of imposter syndrome. <laughs> the, my one ability is that if you know me, I have a sort of force of personality that makes people kind of go along with me and think that I have smart things to say and that that will not translate to strangers listening to our work on the internet. So yes, you believe in me, which is why I think you are probably overlooking giant glaring flaws in, in our project. Well, it's not to say that um, I don't see that there are flaws. <laughs> you know what I have that you don't? I, I, a, a long, a long, beautiful dick. No. No. <laughs> um, I'll let you all decide if that means listen, Charlie's is long listen. or mine is not. Um, if I had, if I had, if I had what you had, I wouldn't want to transition at all, baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What I, what I have that you don't is I have a crap load of online internet creative friends. I love art. I have a lot of friends who don't do what I do and who admire me for being able to do what they are incapable of. Right, I'm friends with more, I'm only friends, I'm exclusively friends with funnier improvisers, better, more successful writers, better, more successful actors, exclusively. You look at the things that you make and you will always say, when I make something, I know you, you look at my stuff and go, oh my gosh, it's so cool, the song is so pretty. Whatever, this is really neat. When you look at what you do, you don't think I'm so proud that I created this. You think, why didn't I do this sooner? It took me so long. God, I'm a fuck up. And then it just stops the process. A train stops and goes off the rail. That is the universal experience of artists is the Which regret is, for not yes. having done something sooner rather than pride that you did it now. And thank you for that layup. One second. Oh no. Smash! Smash! Oh! <laughs> so. I feel like a murderer. That's how I feel about being trans, too. Mm. Like, wow, what a what a way to bring this podcast back to the to the overall topic in this like beautiful way. Because this podcast, it's not just that it's exposing me as not as funny as I think I am, and literally doing the opposite. I think you're consistently hilarious, and I would not ever <laughs> do improv if it wasn't with you. I I'm terrified of improv. Um, 
my brain's like, don't listen to them. Don't listen to anything that contradicts what I tell you. have a little worm tongue in your brain, don't you? Your words have no power here, Gandalf Stormcock. <laughs> you to your therapist? <laughs> Honestly, Lord of the Rings, I could take or leave every single thing in it except for you have no power here, Gandalf Stormcrow, and many of these trees were my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Just the best. Um, I think that this this podcast, it exposes a lot of things I'm insecure about. I have all these things I want to talk about, but I'm always I always feel like I haven't, you know, I'm just now for the first time in my life reading, like I'm reading Whipping Girl, right? I'm reading like baby level trans books. Yep. You know, I've only recently kind of started to familiarize myself with trans history. I don't have a sense of myself within the context of, of the broader like queer spectrum because I'm not as familiar with it as I wish I was. I mean, most of us aren't. I know so many queer and, people. But, people don't know. <laughs> but yeah, but queer people don't know, but they're not starting a podcast to talk about it. Like, I I went in this podcast thinking, oh, uh, just talking about personal experiences would be enough. And I've come around to starting to feel like, well, we talked about this even in the second episode. Like, visibility by itself is not that's not as valuable as I wanted it to be, or at least to me it hasn't well, been. Well, you like, say that, but I will throw out there, what we are doing isn't visibility. What you are providing in this podcast is doubt and thoughts and growth and questions because, God, you think you're the only person who inherently hates what they do and things that everyone i consistently am like i can't believe i've convinced all these people to draw my stupid writing you are you are what you're experiencing i feel validated hearing it it makes me feel like i'm not like i don't know cruel for thinking that like it's not, you're, you're providing so much validation to me all the time one thing that has been uh validating about this conversation so far has been you know oh Ari doesn't have something that is just like special and unique about them that makes them immune to oh, God, no. feedback and criticism and imposter syndrome. Um, I think one thing that I realized, the moment that impacted me, and I think I want to hear your thoughts on this because this is a moment that changed me as an artist and I remember it forever, yeah. was when I was at a convention and this couple walked up to me. I mentioned this before, but I'll put it on the podcast. A couple walked up to me, the most shy, meek-looking couple I've ever seen, just like wide-eyed. And they were like, we really, really love your songs and they mean so much to us. And I said, oh, and somebody, I'm like, and they bought my album and they were like, can you please sign it? And I signed it and they're like, thank you so much. And I'm like, look, when I would go to the conventions and see the electronic musicians having a full house and then I had like 10 people, I performed at my last convention before COVID happened and the room had like 10 people in it. But one of them was a trans woman right in front of the stage, standing on the ground, dancing, and mouthing every word to every song as I sang it and had like these eyes full of like tears. And that's who you're doing it for. What you're describing, okay, let's 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 get let's dig into this, right? Cause like this is normally the point in the episode where we would wrap up the conversation and do stupid improv. But I really, right now, I just wanna I want to, even if it means truncating the improv. I'm okay with I I'm okay with skipping the improv for an episode if you want to make a special full episode about the podcast essentially. Yeah, this is way more kind of what way I'm more interesting. going for. Here, real quick, real quick. Let's just out, get it out of our system. Let's do one one-minute improv scene right now, just to like get you know throw a bump, <laughs> like just to get out of our system, and then we'll go back to the all conversation. Right, here we go. All right. We're gonna, I'm gonna speed up. <laughs> um, excuse me. I would like to purchase this uh, tilapia, please. Uh, this one here, this tilapia. N no, this one, sir. No one's ever purchased that tilapia before. That one has been there for 50 years. Are you sure? Yeah. No one's per of course no one's purchased it before. It's here for sale. No one would have huh. purchased it. <laughs> Wait. None of my wares here have ever been purchased in 50 years. My life is a lie. You're just now realizing this? You've been o you've had this fish shop open for 50 years and you're only just now realizing no one's ever come in and asked to buy something? Chicken apron. I quit. I quit. That's it. I'm done. You know what? Wow. You're right. You made the right choice. You you, you convinced so me. I'm wasting my time selling fish. No one's bought any <laughs> of my wares for 50 years. Actually, my wares haven't sold for eternity. Since before the Big Bang, before time existed, they weren't being sold until today. Wait a second. 
Wait a second. What's this under your sleeve? The mark of Cain. No. You. You're Cain. This is what you've been doing all this time? Abel? (laughs) Is that you? Oh, you've you've lost your mind. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, no but, we cut back to our... Our, our, our regularly scheduled programming. All right, so we did that. We got that out of the way. Um, Best improv scene yet. Yep. Uh, so I so, sell my Cain and Abel joke. I've done it before. It's, my, it's a go-to for me. I think it's really funny when you say Cain for me to just say, you're Abel. You're, you're always going to be Abel. Just know if you ever make me Cain, I will discover that you were actually Abel because it's so funny to me. I mean, if I were limping, Cain would make me more Abel. Dang, that's sense. what that story was about. Um. Okay, So so back to the conversation, though. Let me push back on, on this a little bit. I think if I had like a dedicated fan base of, uh, you know, trans women who would want to come stand in the front of the room just to hear me play a song that I had written, I would probably have a slightly different perspective. To be fair, I did not get but, to that point for seven years. Right. Seven so, years <laughs> it took. But like, there is a thing where it's like, no, I don't fully agree that art is worth it. If only one person... I don't mean like, literally. I mean, if one person is that dedicated, then there's definitely... You have a small fan base and you're fine. If 99% of queer people hate this show and there's 1% of people really, really are into it, there is something wrong with that 1%. But see, that's a, that's a fallacy, I think, because I'm not trying to imply that art is for one person. I'm saying you can't possibly know enough people. You can only know 100, 150 people in your life, right, mentally. Your brain can only cake that much in. You have to focus on the people you're doing it for. Your intention matters, right? You, why, are you, why are you doing this podcast? Why? Why, would, why did you even suggest it in the first place? Because what was your idea? What was the reason for this podcast? And beyond education, that's not really why we did it. I guess I be, I, uh, some part of me doesn't believe that my pain is meaningful unless I'm able to cre- use it to as a sort of part of the palette to create something that will be meaningful to other people who have maybe experienced pain of their own. I wanted to create something that like, if I had found this show by myself, maybe before I came out as trans, I'd be like, here's just like a sweet little show of like some queer people having conversations and they're just like normal conversation. They just like have these thoughts and experiences that I have had. Oh, it's nice to put on a dress or people who are talking about like, yeah, you remember the nineties when there was no queer representation. So you somehow found through like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) Exactly. You somehow turned that into your first queer expression. Isn't that weird? I just wanted it to be to talk to you specifically about mundane things yeah. that I'm now relitigating in my head is like, oh, that was kind of, that was kind of queer. That was formative, yeah. Well, and then also, frankly, I, I enjoy doing improv with you. I love improv. I love doing improv podcasts. Yeah, we didn't really, so we, we guess... kind of cut out of the podcast our initial long discussion about why improv was a thing we want to yeah. kind of take back, but that'll happen. We'll get into that. I really like improv and I just thought it would be fun to like try to do both essentially like have a show that uh, that talks about these things but then also like we get to be goofy and silly and I don't know maybe in my mind I romanticize the idea that queer people being silly was itself a worthy end for art. When you described why you did this podcast, the fundamental reason you gave was that you wanted to make your pain worthwhile in some way. Which means that on some level, this podcast is coming out of pain, which means that when you listen back to it, it reminds you of your pain. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Wait, we need to sit in this for a second. That was the most incredible. How did you do that? Where did that thought come from? Because that's mind-blowing. I mean... What the fuck? (laughs) I have, like, one of these moments. I've been doing therapy for 10 years, and, like, every two years, my therapist says something that has a moment like this where everything just snaps into place. Holy shit. 
Well, I'm glad I was on the podcast. Content, baby. <laughs> Get our Patreon for more insightful content. Um, <laughs> I'll pick every moment is a moment. No, I, I want to. And the other thing I was going to say is actually it kind of goes with that, which is if you're like, I want to make a, a podcast about queer theory. There are people who study queer theory for years. They can make really good queer theory podcasts. You and I, we should not be trying to be mediocre versions of someone else's podcast. We should be the best at who we are. And what we are is this. And this is what I love about our friendship. I don't want our friendship to have to become just a study circle because otherwise we're not true queer people. You came to this podcast as a way to take the pain that you've experienced and use it in a nice way. But yeah, that means that there's no way to listen back to it and be like, ah, yes, the most painful things in my life. I love, this is good content. Why would you ever think that's good content? It would make you feel miserable every time so you want to avoid it. Because that, to continue to live in it means it makes you think that you want to continue to live in the pain and you don't. You want to stop it forever. You want to stop the pain. <sighs> Ostensibly, if I were pitching this podcast, what I would say is, I, I'm trying to focus on things that are more joyous and lighthearted, but fundam but, but in, in, in actuality, in actuality, I am so, I, I am so unhappy as a person and in a weird way, maybe that part of the problem with the, with the podcast is that it's, it's sort of trying to be two things and I feel like it's failing at both. Like, I wanted the show to be about joy in some extent, but we keep making the episodes focus on sad things, be or I do. But at the same time, I'm being—I'm actually being extremely reticent around my sadness. Like, I have not explicitly talked about my mental illness on the show. I've referenced it. I've not about talked about my history with abuse. I've not talked about my current uh struggles with ptsd i have not talked about my suicidal ideation beyond little dark jokes and references here and there i have not actually talked about the sad stuff i've just it's just i've used it as like use it as a fuel for the fire that is your content and that's why i hated episode the original episode three and why i cut it cut it because out of all the episodes it was the one that i listened back to that the most felt like sadness it was complaining about something that wasn't actually that high stakes because I was simultaneously not allowing myself to just have fun and I wasn't talking about what I actually wanted to complain about because I didn't want to get to get serious so it came across as me whining about something that doesn't matter that much because I wasn't actually complaining about that thing it's like going into a like a dark room. You could be outside in the light or you could go into the dark room, turn on the light and reveal the darkness within. You went into the dark room, but you didn't want to turn the light on. So just kind of just in the dark. <laughs> it's just kind of like a vague sense of sadness without a clarity of what that sadness is. But you also, you feel afraid. You feel afraid that if you step away from that sadness into a brighter place, the content is meaningless. I think that is correct. I think I have this fear that the content will feel frivolous to me or like meaningless or could it be meaningful to other people? And maybe that's why I, I do the improv because the improv is frivolous. It's fun. It's silly. It's lighthearted. So it's the opportunity for us to just be us. It's almost like but aftercare not... from talking about the dark stuff. Yeah. It is like aftercare. It's like you allow yourself to have this fun, but you have to do the work first. It's like aftercare in a BDSM relationship, except for without uh, clear boundaries and consent. <laughs> it's like, like we're doing this intense thing together, but we didn't sign up to do it. I'm just making it intense and sad. We both have pain. And we're talking about a very vulnerable part of ourselves. And what happened is in a way this podcast became therapeutic. I think this podcast is like, it's like a little trans girl. We're raising her and like, we just, you know, you have to like, let her be herself. We have to let her like kind of grow into her own thing and, and change. Uh, we have, if we, the whole podcast is about change. So it would be stupid for us to be afraid of changing it. Right. And I will say one thing that I think is other, another factor that I only just realized now that might be partially why I find content easier to create than you do. That ties into the whole mm. pain aspect, which is, does it have to do with the, um, extremely noticeable dearth of penis size 
that I have. No, I think it's the strongest part of your work. <laughs> dearth, a dearth of girth. A dearth of girth. <laughs> the dearth of girth and the worth it bringeth forth. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. I think what it is is like when I made My Little Pony music, which sounds insane. It still sounds absurd as a concept. What was joyful about that was for the first time I was making content where I didn't feel like it had to be this manifesto of my pain. It will. Your pain will come into the things you write, but if you do it intentionally or that you think that there is a reason why Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers are so close to my heart, which is that as a kid growing up in an abused home, I didn't want to watch abused victims on the screen. Right. I wanted, it's like how Abbott I Elementary think... recently, Abbott Elementary, some Twitter person asked the creative elementary, will you put school shootings in your show so that you can confront and she's like no i want to do a show about black kids being happy because we don't have much of that kind of content i'm not here to fix you yeah you need to create art that is created out of joy from yourself rather than out of pain from yourself the pain will come out but it'll become joyful because you'll take your painful thing and put it into a joyful context rather than create painful context for a painful thing that is just now a pain machine okay so let me ask you this then go for it i agree that romanticizing like pain and abuse as like a source of artistic inspiration is bad um, I also think it is valid to not want to be Mr. Rogers. Oh, I'm not leader. saying you should. I'm saying um, it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum, right? And I think I think that like people think that art you know, has to be only pain. Right. And I think it's not true. Like I don't believe I could be happy just making something that was completely lighthearted. Oh no, no, I, yeah, for sure, for sure. So it's about it's about figuring out how to productively channel this stuff without it becoming the only value or point oh you know what my fear is okay here's here's a here's another fear another one Ooh, the bonus the fear is that i am too mentally ill to be an artist um in the same way that i cannot handle social media like i was on trans twitter for a little bit i'm off it i hated it there i hate all social media my fear is that I am too sick, too anxious, too depressed, too thin-skinned, too traumatized to be able to handle this preemptive pressure. It's so pathetic because it's not even real pressure. Nobody has even listened it's not, to it's it. It's not pathetic. But like fear of some fear of the unknown is literally like the core fear. All you can do is think, what is the kind of thing that would be exciting for me now? And do that. And don't focus on anything else. And just keep making things that make you happy. Show them to friends. Put them out to small micro communities who will appreciate it. Build up that work. Get excited about it. If something makes you miserable, cut it out and don't do it anymore. Or change it and find what's joyful about it. And then 10 years from now, it'll happen on its own. Don't try to make it happen because it'll fucking suck. Don't. You have done. Do you know what my brain literally just said to, to myself? What's that? As, I, as I'm listening to you talk, my brain just went. Man, you you just need to get out of Ari's way. You just need to let Ari talk. You should just produce a show that's just Ari giving advice. No! <laughs> I god, I would because never. I would never. God. You're so yeah, this is this is all so valuable and so good and I'm just like, "Well, yeah, I can Ari's great. I I would listen to Ari on a on a podcast." So anyway, I'm uh the one time I'll listen to the podcast back and I'll be like, wow, there I am rambling. Oh my God, that thing Charlie just said, oh my God, it's so insightful. Wow. Like I'm <laughs> learning a lot from you and you just don't realize it because you already know the thing. So it's not important to you to say something you already know. At the end of the day, what I really want from the show, and I can't help that I want it, is I want it to be appealing and meaningful to trans people. Like I don't, I want it, I, I don't want it to just be like, the egg podcast for eggs. <laughs> it's hey, here's the thing. I think are you oh my god, I just I think you just hit the core of what it is. You yeah. need to stop thinking about what this podcast will become and let it become it. Oh my god, I'm a bad parent of a trans child. <laughs> you keep wanting the podcast to be ready now, and every I'm, time you see a failure, you're like 
I'm sending my podcast to conversion therapy. <laughs> no, what it is, you are putting yourself and the doubts you have about your transition into the transition of the podcast. Oh my God. You want the podcast to be reflective of the perfect you that doesn't exist. You listen back and you go, oh, that person isn't who I want to be. Yes, because this podcast is about transitioning from who we don't want to be to who we do want to be. It's going to take time. <laughs> wow. That's fine. This is... I changed my mind about that other thing you said that I was mind blown by. That was garbage. This is the revelation. <laughs> this is it. Um, I've, I've thought about this shit a lot. I, I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm going to ask you a question to end the episode with. I think it's a positive, joyful place to go from. Cool. What is a type of project that when you think about making it makes you feel excited that isn't coming from a place of pain? I mean, there's, there's a bunch of stuff. I... I, I definitely miss uh, this part of why I miss performing improv because it's all joy, you know, it's all silliness. Do you it's think all it's possible that, do you think it's part of the, the part of the reason you don't you have trouble with this podcast and why you love improv is because improv inherently is something that you do it and it's gone and you can't reflect on it because you don't remember it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, maybe, part of maybe reflection is why you don't like the improv because you're like, oh, when you listen back to improv, you critique it like a comedy special. It's, Jesus, it's improv. It's not even the improv. I Actually, the improv is still my favorite part of I the love episodes. The improv. I recorded. love our improv. It's ridiculous. Um, even if I don't inherently believe that everybody that people are going to like it, I like it, I guess, in a way that's less complicated. Um, I don't know. Let me think about that question, Ari. Yeah. I, I'm just going to think about it. I'm going to leave question. you with that question. How like a therapist... I'd say let's uh, let's send him off with one more just quick improv scene. Okay, one more quick improv scene. Yeah. Tr uh, trumpeteer. <laughs> um, excuse me. Yes. Hello. I'd like to purchase this trumpet. Ah, this trumpeteer. Mm-hmm. Yes, this trumpeteer. This I would like to purchase you. <laughs> um, I have not been purchased. In 50 years! Uh-huh. I would like to take your your skill set. You see, I am an angel. Ah. Uh, Peter. Name is St. Peter. St. Peter. I mean, don't let that fool you, though. I got a tiny little penis. <laughs> and um, I just never heard such beautiful trumpet music, and I want you to be part of uh, the angelic choir that plays whenever somebody gets led into heaven. Huh. Let me just take a second to go aside here and reflect. Oh my God, he has no idea how terrible I am. I'm going to fool this idiot. Yes, absolutely. I would love to be part of your choir. I'm so... Oh, I'm wait, wait. Sorry. I'm just getting a call here. Sorry, what were you saying? Oh, yes, I'm going to... I I want I want to... Uh, 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 I want to show... I definitely am as good as you say I am, and I'm going to show you by playing my, my trumpet right now for you. That's great. No, that's great. I'm so, I'm so excited, and I want to hear the trumpet... Um, maybe play some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of like podcast theme or something. I've got, here we go. <laughs> but, but, what, what, what? but before you, you go, I do have to take this phone call. Oh, that phone call is more quick. important than a new. Oh, I must. Uh, oh, you must think I'm terrible. But you're in. You're, in. you're in. You're in. Do not worry about it. Do not worry about it. Um, hello. This is the president of the United States. Oh, hello, Mr. President. Sorry, this is the wrong call because you calling me is ruining the callback I'm trying to make. Ah, I sorry. I make wrong calls frequently. Goodbye. Yeah, this is, can you call, can I call you back some other time, Mr. President? Yes, to tell me all the things I should do and then I will ignore you. <laughs> A call from my best friend Satan is on the phone. <laughs> all right. Uh, ring, ring, sorry. ring, ring. Another person's calling. Yeah, and here, I'm actually going to step away, so I don't think you're actually going to hear what's on the other end of the phone. Oh, okay, um, okay, okay. I don't want you to hear it. Okay. Gosh. Uh, hello? You're kidding me. He's in? <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, no, yeah, 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 absolutely. 100%. Book him. Book him right now. <sighs> I'm sorry. You can't be part of our choir. What? Is it because I'm secretly not as good as I pretend to be? Well, that and... We got the Banjo King, baby. Oh, no! no! <laughs> He's in! The only He's thing I in! can possibly do to mourn this horrible event is play the song I would have played had I been accepted. <laughs> oh, no. A flawless improv scene. <laughs>
All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and we'll leave you with this little nugget. Smoke him if you got him. <laughs> Was that a trumpet player getting into a car crash? <laughs> <laughs> that's how, that's, I mean, he, he, he wanted to join the choir. He wanted to join the choir. That was, I was going to say, that's actually how Nietzsche died. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Clink. Clink. Yes, Androgyny was conceived, recorded, and produced by Ari Noble and myself, Charlie Monroe. If you want more content or you care to support the show, we can be found at patreon.com slash yesandrogyny, where we will be posting an extra episode of bonus content, plus other fun surprises at least every off week. This show is co-produced by New32 Productions, an independent North Carolina media company that Ari and I are both heavily involved with. You can find New32 on YouTube at youtube.com slash new32, that's N-E-W-3-2. Our music was composed by Florify, F-L-O-R-R-I-F-Y, whose link tree can be found in the episode description. Our theme song is Riff in A by Garrett Stein Sarusi, who plays the guitar on the track, with additional arrangement, instrumentation, and mastering also by Florify. Our cover art is by the inimitable Izzy Pereira, who can be found on Twitter at Izzy Squeaksy. That is I-Z-Z-Y-S-Q-U-E-A-K-Z-Y. Lastly, but not leastly, Ari can be found on Twitter at Ari Noble Writes where they post about their myriad music and webcomic writing projects, including their epic fantasy adventure webcomic in the vein of Redwall. They co-created it with our cover artist Izzy, and it is posted weekly. So definitely check that out. It's super rad. Thank you guys so much for listening. That concludes the credits. See you in two weeks or sooner if you join our Patreon. Bye!